0: Go ahead and turn to Second Chronicles 20 tonight, and I just want to encourage your hearts tonight, and I want to talk about this simple concept. My God is a deliverer. Look at your neighbor as you're turning and say, my God is a deliverer. And we can get ourselves into all kinds of situations in life where we need a God to deliver us out of the middle of something. I took a small trip this uh we left sunday and we actually came back yesterday afternoon so it was a real short trip but it was good to get away with the kids they're on spring break so we decided a couple weeks ago let's just run and and go hang out by a pool and let the kids run around bring a friend and all those type of things and we had a really good time and uh, but it it amazes me that it doesn't matter how old they are and it doesn't matter how long the trip is this wasn't a long trip somewhere in the middle they begin to ask, I have to use the, the restroom. You know, we just left an hour ago, you know. Or in the middle, they begin to say, how much longer until we get there? And I just, it's so exasperating even after all these all these years with a 14 and 16-year-old. But what I've learned in life is that we love to have a testimony, but we don't necessarily like to go through the test. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we love to have a message, But we don't like to have to go through a mess to get to the message. And honestly, it's really in the middle of what you're going through. Because I didn't come to rain on anybody's parade tonight. And I do talk a lot about trials, tribulations, and difficult things that we walk through in life. Because I understand something about life now that I've lived enough of it. You're either going into a storm, in the middle of a storm... Or a coming out of a storm, I've learned that. But can I tell you something tonight? My God is a delivering God in the midst of the storm. In other words, in the midst of the mess, you can either come out with a miracle, or you can come out on the other side with more mess. I've come out in both fashions, and I want to tell you tonight here in First Chronicles chapter twenty of a story of Jehoshaphat. And I don't know why I chose another difficult name after Mephibosheth on Sunday. I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> We're going to look at the life of Jehoshaphat, but I just came to tell you tonight that God doesn't want you to stay in the mess. He wants to bring you a miracle. One thing I've learned about my God is even though there are trials, difficulties, Romans 8 just paints a beautiful picture. And we love, I almost went that direction tonight, but just felt led a little bit differently. Maybe I'll do it Sunday. Romans 8 is a beautiful, because we love Romans eight twenty eight for We know that God works all things together for good. For those who love him are called according to his purposes. We love that, but we take it out of context. Context is king when it comes to studying scriptures. Paul wasn't necessarily saying that everything in life is good, because if you've lived enough like we all in here have, you understand there are some things that are heartbreaking and disappointing, and we just don't have an answer to. And I'd be very honest with you tonight more so than maybe I would be on Sunday because I know everybody in here very well. These last few months for me and my family have just been really hard. But can I tell you something tonight? My faith is stronger in God than what it ever has been. Physical challenges, things going on, things going just kind of sideways when you're raising teenagers. And uh, they can be heartbreaking. But I just these are some scriptures that I've encouraged myself in the Lord. It's important sometimes just to get down and say, God, I... I may not have any any encouragement from anywhere else, but I'm going to encourage myself and you because, God, you've never let me down, and you've never lost a battle. And, God, you said that you're a way maker, and you said you're a deliverer, and you said that you would make a way when there seems to be no way. So in the middle of the mess, I'm not going to lose my faith. I am going to be looking for the miracle that God has for me in that moment. came to preach to you tonight. Is that all right? You're going to walk out of here walking on water, y'all. Might be sweat dripping off of you from being 90 today, but you're going to be walking on water. (laughs) Don't turn there, but Psalm 31, verse 7. These are just some scriptures I've been encouraging myself with. Verse 7, it says, I will be glad and rejoice in your love. You saw my affliction. Aren't you glad that we have a God who sees where we are? He sees the, when you're in the middle of the mess, he sees where you are. And he, it says he, he knew, knew the anguish of my soul. Verse 8, you have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious Place, a wide place. The enemy would love nothing more than to come and constrict the people of God to give bondage, to give difficulty, to give trials, to try to take you out. But I came to tell you tonight that even though the enemy tries, and that's what the scripture is talking about, the enemy tries to squeeze in, but God says he wants to set your feet in a spacious place, a wide place. The six things that Jesus said he came to do when he said, The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Two of them are about freedom and liberty. It is for liberty and freedom that Christ came to set us free. And I didn't come to tell you tonight that you'll walk out of here and everything will be perfect. But I've learned in the midst of my storm, in the midst of the mess, when I'm looking for a miracle, if I can begin to understand that God at His very nature is a God who delivers... Then I can be looking for the doorway of deliverance in the midst of my difficulty, in the midst of my situation, because God has that for us. Psalm 18, verse 19 says, He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because He delighted in me. I just, I thank God for those scriptures because it shows us that God is not unaware of what is going on in the midst of our lives. He's very aware, and I'll go a step further. God is not just aware and aloof and looking at a distance. God is willing to get down in the midst. That's the beautiful thing that we learn from Romans 8, is even though it clearly paints a picture that there will be trials, tribulations, difficulties, and tests and things that we'll go through, it's when you're in the middle of the difficulty is when some things begin to show up to walk through the fire with you. Faith begins to arise in your heart. Peace begins to come into your soul. Joy begins to flood your heart and soul. And these things begin to walk out. But God is a delivering God. Why is that important? Because you need to know tonight that what is inside of you is bigger than what is around you. If God is inside of you, then there's no circumstance that's bigger than God. And he can bring us out. So tonight I want to show you, don't see things based on external circumstances. See things based on the internal and that your God delights in delivering you. Is that good news tonight? Yes. <laughs> I love it. That, that definition there for broad place, the thought that is being played out there is God is a deliverer. literally means to make wide. He causes things that are closing in on you to back up off of you by his Holy Spirit. It also means this, to make sufficient. The idea there is there is no lack, there is no deficit, there is no shortfall, but that we would always have an abundance or overflow. When you study this word out, it also means one who gives freedom from distress. God knows how to remove the stress anxiety and fear from the midst of what you are walking through. Galatians 5.1 says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. The work on Calvary that Jesus did was to make you free. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Uh, I'm in the right room tonight. Praise God. Let's look here at 2 Chronicles 20. I did tell you 2 Chronicles, right? 2 Chronicles 20. I got a lot of scripture tonight, but this this is where my heart is these last few weeks. It happened. Everybody say it happened. <laughs> How many know it happens, right? It happens. After this, that the people of Moab with the people of Amnon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hezazon Tamar, which is in Gedei. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the other cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Let's stop there because it's important to get the context of what's going on here in the Scripture. Joseph, Joseph, Jehoshaphat is a king, and from all accounts through history and in the Bible, Jehoshaphat was somebody that feared God, and he loved God. I, I'm telling you, tonight, if you fear him and you love him with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, there's nothing that's going to come in outwardly that is ever going to defeat you no matter what. It's not. It, it absolutely can't. But notice the way this chapter begins. It literally says, it just happened. Have you ever been in those places in life where stuff just begins to happen? He's a good king. He loves God. He serves God with a pureness of heart. And sometimes church, and this is so important for your theological base, if you have a Christianity that says that just because you love and serve God, it's actually the opposite. The scripture we read in the very beginning tonight clearly says that it doesn't know you, the world doesn't know you because it doesn't know God. We're going to be pressed in by the world. We're going to be pressed in by the enemy. We're going to be in those places where things just don't seem to be going the way that we think. And we've all said it. I've said it. I won't put you in that place. I've said it. Things start to break loose, and I'm like, God, I love you. God, I've given my life to you. God, I'm, 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 I'm heading in the right direction. This isn't, this isn't you know, have you ever been in those places like Jehoshaphat where it just happens? That's how the scripture starts. It happened. And you think to yourself, where did that come from? How did that happen? So on this particular day, simply, the king gets a bad report. Have you ever gotten a bad report? Yes, absolutely. And at first, here's what happens. At, at very first, just like, just like any of us, I love the Bible because it's so real. Just like any of us, it, just, he, he was, it says he feared. Oh, boy, an enemy's coming. We didn't know it. There's going to be an attack. We need to begin to seek the Lord. The issue isn't whether trouble shows up. The issue is how will you respond to the trouble when it does? The trouble is going to come. Again, you're either heading into a storm in the middle or on the other side of a storm. But I came to encourage your hearts tonight. I don't want my storms to last one second longer than what God designed to do one very important thing for everybody in here. The enemy would love to see our faith diminished. God would love to see our faith purified through the difficulty. So that's where Jehoshaphat is. He loves God, serves God. And and the very first instinct was, man, whoa, man, I, a fear. You know, you start to get physical reports. I shared Sunday that, you know, we had a terrible Saturday night. It was right as we were going to bed and get the kids, you know, in the house and make sure they're all settled. And Leah just looked over at me. She said, I just don't feel right. I thought it was heartburn. So I went to sleep. <laughs> i did i just i'm like okay baby wake me up if you need anything well she needed me a couple hours later pain was so bad and it was a gallbladder attack so i'm believing when she goes to visit a surgeon this week this next tuesday that they're just going to say it's healed amen. amen amen and can i tell you something even if not i still trust him amen. leah's still trusting i thank god for medicine even 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 if not I will still love and serve him. Look down here at verse 5 and let's continue on. Then Joseph had stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God, our fathers, are you you not God in heaven and, and you do not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one else is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear, and you will save." Church, look back at me. It's all in how we respond when we're faced with a difficulty. Here's the very first thing that he, he did, which is so important. When you get the report, when you're in the storm, when you're in the difficulty, he reminded himself and the people of God of who their God is. I didn't say was. I said who he is right now today. So easy to see what God was. But today I want to encourage your heart that God is the answer to whatever it is you're walking through right now in this season. Because in the middle of the mess, if you don't want it to turn into a bigger mess and you want it to turn into a miracle, then what you need to begin to do is not rehearse the bad news. Come on, somebody. We don't need to rehearse them. In the middle, the difference between staying in a mess and seeing a miracle is this. It's your faith. And your faith is based upon who God is and has revealed himself to be. And you can count on him being true to who he said he was going to be. had just begins rehearsing who God is. You know, aren't you the one who has power? God, aren't you the one who has might? He begins to remind himself that the God that I serve, he is a great God, a mighty God, the Jehovah, the great I am. Whatever I have need of, I can find in him. When he begins to remind and recall who God revealed himself to be, he reminds himself, God, you're a healer. God, you're a deliverer. God, you're a way maker. God, you will... Send the rain if it's dry, and you'll send a dry, sunny day if it's rainy. That's who our God is. So first thing tonight is some of you, just as you leave here tonight, just begin to remind yourself of who God is. Because isn't that the temptation, and isn't that the attack of the enemy? Whenever we face a difficulty, he begins to, to malign the character of God. God's forgotten about you. God doesn't care about what's going on. God isn't concerned about this situation, but we know that that's not true. God is. You've got to remind yourself of who your God is. Then he says, aren't you the God who drove out the inhabitants? So number two, so now he is reminding himself of what God has done. So he he talks about who God is, And then he begins to talk about, listen, when you're in the midst of the fire, the best thing you can do, if you want to get out of the mess and make it a message and make it a testimony out of the test, then you've got to not only rehearse who God is, but you've got to begin to rehearse what God has done in your life. Has God been good to anybody in this room tonight? He's been way better than I've been even to myself. And he begins to say... Look, God, not only is this who you are, but I have experienced who you are. So it's not just something on the pages of a Bible. I can begin to recount times when God made a way. Has anybody in here, God has made a way when nobody else can make a way? That's who he is. Oh my goodness. I'm telling you, when I'm in the midst of a fire like I've been in lately, I just begin to just... I don't begin to rehearse and dwell on the things that are not happening. I begin to look for the miracle in the midst of the mess. Because that's who He is. My God is a deliverer. That doesn't mean that while you're going through it, it's fun, and it's all joy, and it's... Trust me. Trust me. But I I see things that I'm walking through that fire, and things just bubble up, right? It just... My God, get rid of that. Get rid of that bad attitude. Get, get rid of that unbelief. Most of our lives are spent not really believing in God's character, and it's, 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 not, it's not where God wants us. Jehoshaphat, facing the enemy, facing the it happens moment that we all face, begins to talk about who God is, and then he begins to talk about what God has done. That's so important. He began to just rehearse and just speak out, God, at this point right here, you saved me. At this point right here, you delivered me. At this point right here, you healed me. At this point right here, you provided financially when nobody else could have provided. I don't talk about this real often. I mean, most everybody here has heard my testimony in 2016, just a little less than a year before we moved here. We had a horrible flood in our community. Southeast Louisiana got hit with, just north of us, like 28 inches of rain and where we were was 21 inches of rain, so it all flows down, and there was some different extenuating circumstances that made. So we had four foot of water, three or four foot of water in our house, ruined everything, both our cars, all of our house. But can I tell you something? I look back on that, and I say, God, if you could bring me through losing everything that I own. what? And that's what the devil comes to do. He comes, in and he's a terrorist. <laughs> that's the that's only weapon that, well, he's got a lot of weapons. Discouragement is one, Right fear That's what he was trying to pull on Jehoshaphat. I love what Jehoshaphat did, man. He said, let's all get together and let's pray and seek the Lord. Let's fast. Oh, my word, fasting? You want to see a breakthrough? Go on a fast and see God's face. I guarantee you you'll see a breakthrough. God is a faithful God. He's a delivering God. He's a God, as the psalm says, He sets my feet in a wide place. God does not want you constricted. And he doesn't want you to focus on what may be wrong. Because when I look back at it, it gives me now faith to look forward. When I look back at it, it gives me a now faith to begin to look forward. And you can't get through your mess if you quit moving forward. Jehoshaphat is moving forward. And then he says this. He says, now, wait a minute. We have a promise. (laughs) There's over 7,000 promises in the Word of God, church. You can claim one of those, and you can have it spoken over your life. You can begin to rehearse it. And guess what? In faith, you can begin to claim what God said about the situation rather than what the outside circumstances says. So our our response is who God is and what God has done, but you remind yourself of the promises of God over your life. It may even be a promise that somebody came and prophetically prayed over you during a service or in a prayer time, Or is it friendship that you're on the phone and they just feel like, I just feel like God wants you to highlight this promise? Begin to rehearse that, not the situation. Remember the promise, church, because your promise is greater than your problem. Remember the promises of God because the promise is greater than the problem that you're facing right in front of you. That's a good reminder, amen? What kind of promises? Well, if God said he would never leave you or forsake you, guess what, honey? He ain't going to leave you or he ain't going to forsake you. If he he said he's going to supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ, then he's going to supply all of your needs according to his riches. You get to the end of the month and there's more month than there is money, God's going to get you. Now, I'm going to get to the hard part here in just a minute because this is the good part. When you're in the midst of the mess, you begin to rehearse. You begin to... Remember who God is. Remember what he's done. Remember that the problem is right there in front of you, but God's greater than the problem. So then we begin to ask God, as we move along this, we begin to ask God, "God, what is my part to play? There's nothing worse, and I've experienced it a lot. I've done it a lot. Let me just say that. I won't put it on anybody else. I've done this a lot where I've just sat, and I've just waited for God to fix something that he's already worked in, and he's waiting on me to have the faith and the feet, come on, that's a message right there. Put some feet to your faith. I've talked to so many people, I'm just waiting on God. I, I remind them. There are scriptures that point out sometimes God is waiting on us. Sometimes wait, God's waiting on you to activate your faith. Sometimes God's waiting on you to do your part. So the question tonight is how are you going to respond to the trouble? The, the reality is not everybody responds the same way, do we? We do not. So look down in verse 14. Watch this. I love this. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah the son of Jeph, the son of Mattariah, Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. Don't you love it when the Holy Spirit shows up? God, it happened. <laughs> God, they're coming. The enemy's on his way. Let's get everybody together. And they had a prayer meeting. They sought the face of the Lord. And it says the Holy Spirit came. That's amazing, isn't it? This is pre-Christ. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Listen, all you christian Center church folks here on a Wednesday night. And you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit on this room right now when I said that. Be not dismayed. My goodness, when you look around at this world, I can't help but be dismayed. And this is a prophetic word, I I think, for not just our church, but the church. As we have set our hearts, I'm off my notes now is we have set our hearts to seek God and to humble ourselves and pray. And I don't know about any other churches, but I know this church has. We have set our hearts to say, God, we want you more than anything else. God, we want to reach our community. We want to, we want to see it change. We want to see God's spirit flow into people's lives. I, testimony of a young lady who I met with last week. It was here three weeks ago. She gave her heart to the Lord, met with her the next week. And uh, she doesn't mind me sharing this because I said, you know, she's going to get baptized soon. Heroin addict. God delivered her. God saved her. God's bringing her out. Listen, it's the stuff we've been praying and believing for. You say, you want heroin addict? Yes. Yes. I do. It's already been prophesied over this church. This may tell you what kind of person you are that joined this church it's already been prophesied that God is going to bring in, like David in the cave, he's going to bring in the disenchanted, the disenfranchised, the, the ones, okay, the ones nobody else really wanted and overlooked, but we can build an army with those people, church, because that girl is, is, is right now working, serving, and, and uh, working at a local restaurant, and she is just full of the joy of the Lord. she got, she got a long way to go, but we're going to help her get there. We're going to help her get there because that's why God put us here. Okay, I'm done. Verse 16, look. Tomorrow, go against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerael. You will not need to fight in this battle. (laughs) Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Yeah. Yeah. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of, I can't even say that, and of the children of the, can't even say that, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. So when the bad Things showed up as it always does in some form or fashion in our lives. He reminds himself of who God is, what God has done, reminds himself that God had given a promise that they could call upon the name of the Lord. And notice here, God then responds. Listen, this is our part. God God's response was to give them a strategy. Everybody say strategy. strategy. This is so important because oftentimes we're sitting there waiting on something to change about a situation when God wants to speak to our hearts and give you a strategy of how to get out of the situation that you're in. I'm talking for everything that you may be facing, whatever difficulty it is, God will speak to you and give you a strategy. In other words, he says to Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, You've called upon my name. You know who I am. You know what I'm doing in your midst. You've claimed my promise. Now, Jehoshaphat, let me give you something to do. Do you understand that faith that sits constantly waiting isn't faith at all? We have to move towards the things of God and the promises of God to see them fulfilled. That's what's playing out here in these scriptures. God is saying, when you have done what you can do, then I will do what only I can do. You see that? Could we be waiting on God on what God's part is, all the while God is waiting on us to do what we're supposed to do? So he gives them a strategy. My encouragement for some of you tonight is that when you're in the middle of the mess, God will give you a strategy, and it may be just something really simple. I, I look back over my life of, of things that God has come through in miraculous ways. And just like here, it wasn't anything that was hard to follow. It wasn't anything. In other words, when we're obedient to what God has already said, then we can expect God's help. We can expect God's results. So our part is to be obedient to his word. His part is to provide the miracle. God says, keep working the strategy that I gave you because in the strategy, the hope and strength to keep going is in there. Listen, when you have a strategy like they did, they didn't walk out there in fear. They walked out there with the word, prophetic word of God in their heart and in their mind. And listen, he declared it. Begin to speak out God's promise over your life and you will see things begin to shift and begin to take place. Some in here today, all you need is a strategy. That's all you need. He gave, didn't he give Joshua a strategy when he went into the promised land? March around. And then on the, on the last day, march around. Blow the trumpets. That's called a strategy. Listen, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to the world because they don't understand spiritual principles. And I hear it all the time. Why would anybody just give money to a church? You understand, it's not for God, and it's certainly God takes care of this house. I don't even take up offerings; Amen. I trust Him. It's for you. That's right. That's right. It's it, when I pass people on the road, I, I get I get chastised. I had it happen a while back. I say a few months ago, I saw somebody in need, and I pulled it in my pocket. And I don't carry cash very often. I handed it to him. I heard somebody else was coming up behind me. I oh, you probably shouldn't do that. I didn't know him. And I look back at him. I said, "That wasn't for him. That was for me." I had nothing. I don't know what he's going to go spend it on. I hope it's food, but it keeps my heart. You understand? It keeps my heart disconnected. So the strategy that God may give you in a moment of a mess and the difficulty, and it happens, and showing up, isn't something that makes sense. But if we follow it, then we have God on our side. Here's what He says: Get in position. Everybody say position. Once you're in position in the strategy, then here's the key. Stand. Having done all to stand. Second thing in the strategy is whatever you're facing, you've got to stand up to it. You have authority as a believer in Christ. That which is inside of you is bigger than that which is around you and coming against you. So sometimes you just need to take authority over that thing. Once you seek the Lord, there may be something bubble up and, and come up in your spirit when you're taking authority over that. Ray Ray had his daughter-in-law in a horrible accident. Everybody, even the people at the scene, she, she's not going to make it. She's going to die. I wasn't with him that night, but I'm sure you were declaring she shall live and not die according <laughs> to the word of God. Listen to me tonight. I didn't come to tell you that everything always works out exactly, but I can tell you this, assuredly: Romans 8, 28, all things work together. They do. They work together. God, even the reason that nothing is ever final and it's never unworkable with God because he is a God not of just restoration and victory. He is a God of resurrection. There's nothing that could ever come our way that could ever take God off guard because He can speak to it and resurrect it in a moment, even though it looks dead and lifeless. Because to a believer, there is no such thing as death. You don't die when you have Christ living in your heart. You say, Oh, yeah, we do we have funerals. No, you don't. One moment you're here, and the next moment you're celebrating in heaven with Him. That's victory. So I don't get all, all concerned and upset about things that come against me in my life as much as I take authority over them and begin to put them in the proper perspective of faith because if I'm in a mess, I don't want to stay in a mess, and I begin to declare the word of God over it. This isn't wishful thinking. This is something called defending your patch. Man, I wrote an incredible message on David's mighty men, the ones who joined him in the cave. This is who God's raising up in this house. They came out of the cave, and they had the right leadership, and they were ready to fight some enemies that have been taking advantage of them for a lot of years. And some of you have walked through things in your family that have gone on from generation to generation to generation, and I came to tell you tonight, stand in your pea patch and fight the enemy. I can't can't find the sermon. I, I don't know what happened to it, but it comes to my memory every so often. And three of David's mighty men, it shows three different stories. And I love the one guy, and I can't remember his name. I love the one guy that says he stood in the lentil patch and sleuthed hundreds of the enemy. In other words, you're not getting my beans anymore. Sometimes you just got to tell the devil, you're not attacking my family anymore. You're not tempting my children anymore. You're not going to have your way in my marriage. You're not going to have your way in Homosassa, Florida. That There's people shooting up right now. I declare in the name of Jesus that they will come to themselves and begin to get get convicted and get free in Jesus' name. We've let the enemy push back on the people of God for too long, church. And this coming Easter, I believe there's going to be a move of God. You're going to people saved and healed and delivered that's what we're praying for but sometimes once once he tells you that take position what he's telling you is then you've got to begin to stand up to what the enemy is trying to bring against you because i've been where you, where many of you are I've, I'm, I'm there right now we want to get fearful and we want to shrink back and we want to just say ah, i guess this is just the way that it is Can I tell you, God has a reason for the test. God never puts us in a test. In church, I would love, like Jehoshaphat, I would love the test of God to come with a big flashing red light. Test. Test. It's always on the other side of it that you look back and say, wow, look how my faith grew. Look, Look at what God's doing right now in my life. And the test is to purify our faith. It's to build our faith. I just came to encourage your faith tonight. Because not only did he tell him to stand, <laughs> sing? Why did he have him sing on the front end of the battle? Because the way... oh The way that you go into the battle is the way that you'll leave the battle. And if you go into the battle cursing it and, and complaining about it and talking about woe is me and why me and why is this happening and... Why is my dishwasher broke and my refrigerator can't last more than a year and my kids are crazy and why if we go into it that way guess what you're going to stay in it that way and if you stay in some of you just need to change your language because here's what he said to do begin to praise God in the midst of the difficulty begin to praise God in the midst of of the trial and the test. Because it's in your praise that unlocks the power of the warfare. The enemy can't stand when we praise God, even when we don't see how it's going to turn out. I pray on my deathbed. I hope that's many years from now. I pray on my deathbed that I leave out praising. Because I know the next step I'm going to be praising. Oh, come on, Jesus. He said, Jehoshaphat, here's your strategy. You get the people of God. You remind them of who I am. You remind them of what I've already done. Think about it. Did God really bring them out of the wilderness and across dry ground in the Red Sea and bring them to where he brought them to leave them? Did God bring you this far tonight, church member, to leave you now? He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He, he, he won't do it. He won't go against his word. You say, yeah, but I'm not a really good Christian. Even when we're faithless, he is still faithful. <laughs> That's who he is. Man, I need to go on more vacations. <laughs> I'm rested, y'all. I am. Laying by a pool, just looking at a palm tree for 12 hours. It, was like, it didn't do anything but shade me. Sometimes I feel like Jonah where the thing grew up and just shaded in there. I did. Life can be hard. I'm looking at people. I know some of your situations. And it seems like it goes on and on and on. And and it's like you step out of one fire and you step into another. Church, and I've said this before, and you need to remember it, everything that can be shaken is being shaken and will be shaken. So that what remains is a solid faith foundation. The people of Israel in this story were shaking at the enemy coming. Where did this come from? How did this happen? But listen, when they got to the place where God told them to go and to do what you have a part to play, God will give you a strategy. And as you're working the strategy, you can account on God's help to meet you where that strategy is. I shared with the young lady I was just talking about a moment ago. I told her, I said, desperation. You're not going to get free from something like this. Because I know the statistics. I didn't share this with her. People are addicted to heroin. There's a 2% chance that you'll ever get. You understand? (laughs) Two. And I told her, I said, you know what it is with God? 100%. (laughs) I've never been on heroin, but I've been addicted to the things in my life, and I'm a living example that the power of the Holy Spirit is real, it's genuine, and it's available. Sometimes all we have to do is stand and begin to lift a praise to God, begin to worship Him, begin to declare who He is, begin to declare His goodness. You have to know in the midst of the trouble, Trouble is lying to you because trouble will tell you God has forgotten you. And again, the rest of this story is amazing. It says he appoints praisers. (laughs) He is basically saying, I'm going to go into this battle the right way. Praise isn't just a beat and music. That's why it's so important when we do come together in your individual private time. But when we come in here, I've been praying God takes our praise and worship to another level of warfare to where That's how we fight our battles as we sing. While you're in here praising him with your hands lifted high, God's out there fixing the situation because it's a whole new level of trust. I I know, I know how it is you walk in here. Sometimes that's the last thing you feel like doing. Can I tell you, that is the most important time to do it. When you feel it the least is when you should do it the most. I'm not in it for a feeling. I'm in it because he's worthy. Because I know who he is and I know what he's done and I know his word and I know his promises are true and they will not fall to the ground without God getting the glory for, for revealing who he is in us. Praise is an invitation, church, for God to enter into our situation. That's what it is. It's God, I put you at the top of this because you can fix anything. Stand with me tonight. If you read the story on, it says the praise began to lay an embushment for the enemy. (laughs) When I'm praising, there's something happening beyond what I can see. Beyond what my ear can hear and what I can feel, there's something happening in the spiritual realm when you lift up the name of Jesus. So what was meant, what looked like a sure defeat, became a great victory for the people of God. And I just came tonight to tell you your God is a deliverer. Can we begin to praise him like he's a deliverer? Can we begin to praise him like he's good? Can we begin to praise him like we know the result of what is going on? Because I'm telling you tonight, God is a deliverer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, come on, Jesus. Father, I pray for every heart that is here tonight that the praise of God, that, it, Father, you said that, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Let the morning dawn on the situation that people are finding themselves in. God, they've sought you. They've even been in the midst of working the strategy. And some of you have said, I'm not sure if I heard from God because this strategy isn't working. I came to tell you tonight and prophesy, hold on. Just keep holding on. Just keep pressing through and keep lifting your voice of praise. Even in the midst of the mess, even in the midst of the mess, God is going to provide a miracle for you in the name and by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we worship you tonight. We remind ourselves of who you are and we remind ourselves of whose we are. We are children of the living God. We have been called sons and daughters. We are kings and priests. Priest, according to your holy word. So, God, we take that authority of king and we take the ministry of praise as a priest. And God, we apply it to every fire, every temptation, and every trial. And God, as the praise of God begins to come up out of our mouth, Father, we declare victory and defeat of every enemy of addiction, every enemy of struggle, every enemy of fear and anxiety, and anything the enemy would try to bring, Father. God, we, we declare victory. And we thank you, God, that you are a deliverer. Can you put your hands together one more time? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God delights in delivering us, church. He delights in it. He delights in it. Let me bless you as we dismiss tonight. Father, I bless the people of God. They've, they were blessed coming in, and I pray they would be mightily blessed going out. God, I pray that you would watch over them and keep them and your face would shine upon them and you would give them peace and rest. Lord, I pray that as they lay their head on the pillow tonight, they would have such a supernatural peace to guard their heart and to guard their mind. No matter the situation, Father, we place it in your hands tonight and I bless the people of God, Father. Watch over them, protect them, put your angels around our children and our children's children, Father. For generation to generation, we declare them blessed. In Jesus Christ's name, Father, we love and praise you. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Go in the name of the Lord, guys. Love you. Be blessed.